I think in our culture, we have a big disconnect and we focus too much on reciprocity. Um, often reciprocity is linear mm-hmm. where we think, okay, if I do this, I get this right. And in Austin and the way I do business now, I don't think like that. I don't want a direct return. I like to act and then see how things circle back. I always try to think in loops. How am I closing loops? Mm. Um, And it might not always be clear, but you look back and you're like, oh, okay. Like that's, that's why I did that. Or that's, you know, why so-and-so was introduced into my life. Or that's why we met. Like we're just closing loops all the time. Dear friends and listeners, thanks for coming back for another episode. You're listening to Be On Air, and I'm your host, Kaylee Marks. We're here yet again, another episode, another week. This one is pretty awesome, and I do encourage you, if you have time, at least go check out the YouTube version uh, so you can see the beautiful studio that this episode was recorded in. I went to Easy's Listening Studio. It's a podcast stage and recording studio here in Austin, led by Evan Duval, who is our guest today. And Evan served in the Navy. He's a fitness trainer, warrior, um, and incredible podcast host and community mobilizer. And he has been creating these live podcasting events here in Austin for some time now and just totally crushing it here in building community, building culture, and really taking podcasting to a new place. And so I'm really excited for you all to hear today's conversation. We get into Evan's journey uh, and how he came up with this idea, how it's been going. We talk about podcasting. We talk about his time Um, trying to figure out what he would do coming out of the Navy and how he came to podcasting. And I think if if you're interested in sharing your message and in community building, that this episode will serve you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, Evan Duvall. First of all, thank you so much for having me in your studio. We're here at Easy's Listening Room, but welcome to Be On Air. It's great to have you on the show, man. Man, Kaylee, thank you so much for the offer, and uh, it's great to be on the other side of the microphone as a podcaster and and uh, other side of the interview. Yeah, it's a trip, right? Like as hosts, we we're so often listening to other people's stories. We're always, you know, figuring out how to promote the show and get new guests and stuff. And it's really cool to have that flipped and get to share your experience. And what you have been doing with Easy Does It Podcast and Easy's Listening Room is really unique. Haven't seen anything else like it. And especially now in pandemic times, you know, like we need more reasons to come together. We need more uh, venues for that. And I think what you've done here is really extraordinary. So again, thank you for, for having me here and for being on the show. And I thought we could start. Maybe you could just describe for those listening. So if you are listening, uh, you can watch this on YouTube. I'll put the video up there and you can see where we are because it's absolutely beautiful. But for those listening, could you describe where we are and what, what the vibe is here? Yeah, man. Um, we're here at Native Hostel here in Austin, Texas. 
Um, after you know a journey, I ran into Antonio, the owner here, and after doing podcasting in the cafe here for a couple months, um, there was actually actually a space that was available um, that was soundproofed, and it was a funny story. I was doing a podcast here every Saturday live. And on the last Saturday, it was actually my 18th week of doing a live event every week. And so I was just exhausted. And um, I was actually flying out to California just for a quick break to go surf and hang out with my friend Pat. And um, Antonio did a walkthrough with me through this room. And he was like, well, I think we're going to build a podcast studio back here. And I was like, man, that, that'll be awesome. You know, that'll be a great way for y'all to showcase the artists that are coming through this building and, and, uh, be a great asset to native hostel. And it just went right over my head that I could be involved in any you didn't capacity. Even think about I didn't that. even, I didn't want to mm-hmm. at the time. Um, at that moment I was focused on doing my last event and getting out of here for a week. And I went home that night and I started thinking about it a little more. I was like, well, I've been podcasting in the building for two months. Um, if anybody should be a part of that, um, it's me. And I, I really liked it here. I wasn't quite ready to just move on and to go to the next venue. So I came up here the next day and Antonio was sitting at the bar working. And um, I was like, hey, man, I'd love to talk about that podcast studio. And I would like to build it. And he was like, well, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go grab a beer and kind of talk about what that would look like. Um, so we did. And I kind of described to him my idea of, of what I would do with now a controlled environment um, and went to California for seven days, came back on the 8th and came into an empl- empty and, and soundproofed room. And, and I was honestly really intimidated um, now that I had the space. And I call it the void. Um, there's a certain presence to this uh, soundproofing and the the weight of this room that you walk in and and you feel it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I'd found a gym and and really just started kind of bringing in the equipment I had and furniture and stealing a bunch of stuff from around Native and hitting up friends that were artists and you know just asking for some community involvement. And, um, so what we have now is Easy's listening room and studio. Um, it's a progression of a lot of different decisions and, and calculated risks. Um, but really, you know, what I'm trying to encapsulate here now, um, is to showcase all the different industries and individuals and artists and creatives that Austin has to offer. And, um, you know, what we're experiencing now is, is really special and I, I believe in it with all my heart. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like a combination between this speakeasy, mystical magic carpet ride, <laughs> um, comfy, cozy living room, right? It, yeah. And, you know, really high ceilings, super quiet. We're right next to one of the biggest highways, interstate highways, right? And uh, it's completely quiet in here. It's interesting what you said about the void. It, it's a it's a space for listening. It's mm. a space for having dialogue and yeah. uh, bringing community. And so, you know, for the listeners, I first met you, Evan, um, at a at a 
a creative community gathering at Photo House here in Austin. And uh, my mentor, Dr. Marlene Carson, who is uh, a survivor of human trafficking and an yeah. extraordinary woman. You interviewed her Beautiful. on the show. Beautiful. That was an amazing kind of mix of things. That was the first time I saw what you do. Mm-hmm. And so to give the audience a picture, you have an awesome podcast van. Yep. And you have you have your awesome team and you have all this gear and, and you, you were basically packing into different venues all over the place, right? And doing live podcasting. And that's really one of the 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 things that caught my eye, my ear was like, whoa, I've never seen this format before. And so I'm wondering if maybe you could take uh, the listeners and me through your journey with de- coming up with that idea. How did you get into podcasting? And then how did you even come across this idea of like live podcasting with uh, headphones and, and whatnot? Yeah, man. Um, it starts about, you know, four years ago. Um, I was in the Navy at the time. I was stationed in Florida and without getting too deep into that, that, you know, journey, um, I was coming out of a, a very, um, kind of rocky place in my life. And at the time I had no interest in using social media. Um, I wasn't using social media because I, you know, I took to books and podcasts more so because I could see the growth that it helped me develop and develop perspective. Um, and the second that I would, you know, get on social media or get on my phone, I started taking more things for granted, um, especially real things. And, um, so I, at the time I wasn't using social media. And then one day I was on a trail run and I really got this rush and wave of, um, you know, motivation to get back on social media, um, because it clicked that, you know, the majority of my friends, that's where their attention was. And if I wanted to access them, you know, while they're sitting in my car and I'm driving and they're just on their phones or at dinner, like I was, it became obvious that I had to go there to access them. And so what I started doing was sharing my own personal journal entries, um, Mm. no, no filter on it. I wasn't rewriting it. Um, and I would just post it with, you know, a shitty, uh, picture off my phone and make it black and white. So it was less shitty. (laughs) And, uh, it was the most vulnerable action that I had taken that, you know, um, far in my life, as far as just being transparent with what I was going through. And I got a pretty unique response for how I was utilizing the platform and everything changed when I had this 29 year old girl. Uh, reach out and she had terminal cancer mm. and she messaged me and I didn't know her. She didn't know me. Somehow she found my page and she sent me a message saying that, um, although she had terminal cancer that I had shifted her perspective and that she was going to fight and try to be more optimistic. Do you remember what it was that you think that maybe sparked that in her? What post or man, I just, I, I don't know. I was just trying to share from the heart and, um, you know, it, that, that response made me realize that, you know, you could engage on that platform in a real capacity. And, you know, just because we've invented something doesn't mean that we're utilizing it the right way. And there's always room to, you know, innovate and create on platforms and bring it back to reality. Um, so that was just kind of the origin of the journey. Um, as I went through, 
my military career, I started my first podcast. Um, it was called Raw Perception Project. Please don't go back and listen to it. It was just a snowball microphone on my desk, and I would just r- rant, you know. And but I I learned how to use platforms like Podbean and and just the the progression of it. And once I had an idea of how to upload a podcast, I just stopped. Um, and then I continued sharing on social media. And then as I was about to transition out of the military after six and a half years, I really started to make notes and articulate my vision of rebranding a platform and doing everything that I learned just through oversharing and being vulnerable and, you know, just doing it the wrong way. I learned everything the hard way, but I learned quickly. And so I rebranded into Easy Does It. And that's, this is now just an an encapsulation of everything I've learned over the years through sharing. Um, I would much rather put something out there and, um, you know, it be, you know, less than perfect, um, in order to just take advantage of momentum and and done is better than good, right? Yeah. Be in a, a constant state of action and that, that keeps me moving forward. Um, so yeah, the the progression of the podcast itself, um, when I came home, I processed out of the military um, August 2020, so middle of the pandemic. At that time, I'd been quarantined multiple times trying to get back um, to the U.S. so I could get out of the Navy, and those quarantines were real. Uh, we're, we're talking solitary confinement in military barracks to where you had no human contact. Wow. Um, so I utilized that time to, to write my business plan and, and come up with a plan of exactly what I would do when I got home, Mm. um, which included the podcast. And it also included me putting out events here in Austin, Texas and buying my Ford transit van. And there was a lot of plans. Um, but when I got home and I got to work, everything just started to become more and more clear because I wasn't planning. I was doing and um, the more awareness I brought to what was happening and what was transgressing in Austin, Texas at that time, just more and more clarity came. Um, so I started doing boot camps um, out at Zilker Park, which is our metropolitan park. And I was bringing the fitness aspect to it, but I was also uh, utilizing live DJs and bringing artists out to live paint. Um, I was featuring local vendors and this was during the pandemic. So I was just waiting for city officials to run me off and tell me like, you can't do this. And, uh, we did six weeks in a row and it grew from 10 close friends and family to 20, 30, 40. We got up to about a hundred people, um, at the boot camp, and I would always do an hour long workout and then an hour after of live music and local breweries got involved and it started to attract people that had really just moved here to Austin Mm. in the middle of the pandemic as well. And they didn't know what Austin had to offer because everything was closed. And so it really became a way for people to network and meet friends. And, um, you know, one thing led to the next and I really liked doing events um, but then I got hired over at Onnit Gym here in Austin. I was a personal trainer over there. 
And, and at this point, the podcast, you weren't podcasting. I wasn't podcasting. Currently. No, I was just doing public speaking through fitness. And building a community, building Building community, yeah. Networking was my main priority coming home because I knew that that's what Austin is. It's definitely a relationship-based town. And mm-hmm. if you do that well, you'll you'll succeed here. Um, so I went over to Onnit Gym, um, became a, a personal trainer over there. It was, you know, dream come true at that time. Did you get um, to meet Aubrey while working? Yeah, nice. yeah, uh, yeah. I met Aubrey, and there's a lot of good people over there. That's awesome. And so I became a successful trainer, and through the winter when the parks were closed and everybody was looking to me to bring the boot camp back in the springtime. Um, but as I kind of dove more and more into the fitness world, I realized that you know fitness industry wasn't exactly what I wanted to pursue. I wanted to bring it back to relationships and just listening and speaking. And I also realized with the boot camps that there was a big factor of intimidation mm. um, of people not coming out um, because they were afraid to go through a hard workout or be vulnerable. Um, so I started thinking about how I could kind of restructure the events. And that's when I decided I was going to start throwing parties. And uh, a little less intimidating to like, make rid of the workout. Or, let's yeah, just have the party. <laughs> we'll get rid of the workout. And instead of the workout, um, I still wanted to, to to orientate the event to where the initial hour helps people open up. Mm. With fitness, you get a sweat, you get endorphins going. That second hour where there was you know beers and CBD and live music, everybody just kind of just swarmed to each other. So I started thinking about how I could create that same effect, and it was a perfect opportunity to incorporate a live podcast. And how did that idea come to your mind? I don't think was, everyone would just be like, oh, time to yeah. do a live podcast. Cause a lot of times people think you need to be in a quiet studio right. like this, right? Well, so. everything was shut down at the time. This was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and so I think through that phase, through those quarantines, through that solitude and isolation, a lot of people had a lot more awareness of themselves and their energy. And, for me, I wanted to be care- more careful about how I stepped back into my life. I, I had the time. I had the solitude. I had the independence in the military while I was stationed in Japan um, to be mindful of of how I spent my time and to always be growing. And, and I knew coming home that I could just jump right back in with same old friends, running the same bars, you know, and just kind of exhaust myself in that capacity. Um, but thankfully, a lot of us took a step outside of that rat race. And we saw that we weren't necessarily just ready to jump back into surface level interactions um, or wasted energy. Mm. And so I, you know, was thinking of the things that I wanted to seek out, how I wanted to spend my weekends, um, what kind of events were was did I want to spend my time at? And I realized that they they didn't really exist. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to create it. And uh, that was uh, it's been a journey. It hasn't stopped yet. And, when uh, was that exactly kind of that was uh march of this year yeah so wow. march of this year where nobody was doing events um so going back to the van um episodes one through four of my podcast were filmed in my transit van so i put in uh, two captain's chairs that would swivel around and i did a full custom build out um, to where we could run off just basic equipment, Zoom H6 and minimal mics and tripods and everything was removable. 
And I knew eventually I'd wanted to go to a live concept, but I wasn't really sure how. Mm -hmm. So the most attractive thing to me was having a studio on wheels that I could possibly travel the country in and still will. Um, but also, you know, going to the guests and fitting in on their schedule and not making it, you know, not sending them a, a you know, schedule where they got to fit in on my time. It's like, no, I just wanted to, you know, I did a couple podcasts where I was parked outside the gym or their house or whatever and just made it easy for them. And, and, um, that quickly progressed. Um, so I, f I filmed and recorded the first four episodes um, and then I decided to do a release party where we'd feature our first live podcast. Um, so I started knocking on doors all around Austin, Texas, coffee shops and venues and all types of stuff, just looking for somebody that would say yes to an just event. Just like literally going in and talking to the manager? Yeah, just, huh? yeah, just walking in and saying, hey, like, I want to do a live podcast here, you know, focused on conversation of value. It's all focused on Austin culture and you know, I really believed in the message. So, um, I started walking in and everybody was just terrified of, you know, putting their brand and, mm. you know, a, a group setting. And, um, thankfully I found one bar on West sixth street, uh, the dogwood. Um, and my friend Brad hooked me up with the event coordinator and I went in and I just told him what I was trying to do. And they're like, well, it's different. You know, we've never done that before. And, uh, there's like, how many people can you bring out? I was like a hundred. I had no idea <laughs> I could get a hundred people. And so you believed it. I did. Yeah. yeah. I knew, knew somebody would show up. They showed up to my boot camp. So, um, so I went home, made a flyer, made an event, Bryant link and just started hitting up everybody I knew saying, Hey, we're going to, I hadn't released the episodes yet. We're going to do an episode one through four release party. So the, the episodes would drop and we'd throw a party, had live music. And then I did a live podcast with Eric Godsey. Um, so as I was planning that event, I was looking at options to go over house sound and run the podcast. And it just wasn't sitting right. I was like, looking at the event from an honest perspective, I was like, who the fuck would stop partying and listen to two guys talk about, you know, trauma and, you know, culture during a party. Like there's going to be sidebars. There's going to be people ordering drinks. There's going to be doors swinging and banging and, and it, it just wasn't sitting right. And then I went over and I did a workout at on it and I just met this guy. His name was John Brown and he's the owner of Austin silent disco. And immediately I was thinking, how could I incorporate those into a meditation or a, a workout? And then later in the day, I for was the, like, just real quick for the audience, if you haven't ever yeah. been to a silent disco, it's like wireless headphones, Yeah, sometimes different channels. You could have two DJs and two color headphones and yeah. switch between, right? Just so that the listeners kind of get that vibe. Yeah. And he, he heard I was doing events. So he actually approached me and, but I hadn't connected the dots yet. And later in the day, uh, he had given me his phone number and I called him and I was like, Hey man, um, I want to use them for something different. I was thinking, could I incorporate those in a podcast? If I'm running it out of a mixer and my H6 recorder, could I, it just seemed like a easy, you know, transmitter. So how can I utilize those in the, the podcast? And it just clicked that that was the answer because how do we listen to podcast how do we really tune in yeah. you know you throw on your headphones and your your attention is isolated and you know tapped in and you know nobody can reach you you're just yeah. focused on the conversation 
And so uh, we rolled them out in that first event, and uh, we we sold 150 tickets to that event in three days, wow. which was the the fire marshal's capacity. And uh, that conversation was incredible with Eric Godsey, and I fucked up. I uh, made a promise during that podcast that I would give everybody in the room somewhere to go with conversation of value every week. Mm. I made that promise and uh, I had my work cut out for me because I had the first party planned and then going two, three, four, five, um, I just worked my way down 6th Street just being introduced to GMs and they were just like, okay, you can bring 100 people. Yeah, let's go. Like, no you're out. Nobody was coming out. Like 6th yeah. Street was dead. Wow. And so I claim to have been the first event in Austin coming out of the pandemic. Um, and then I attended a art gallery with a friend and um, met uh, Louise Angulo. He goes by the, the street artist named Oolong. And he owns a gallery on uh, East Cesar Chavez. And so I interviewed him and then we planned a live event over there. And then we just started bouncing around town. And as soon as we had the concept venues were saying yes. And it was from bars to, to art galleries. And it was just a great way to network our way through that town. Um, and then eventually it led me here to native. So I want to, I want to go kind of back to the experience yeah. of walking into one of your live podcasts. It, it gives me the experience of like walking into a 3d movie or like a universal studios theme park where they're giving the audience, you know, these 3d glasses or something. Cause you know, you walk in, there's like a, a clean trash can full of these wireless silent disco headphones. Yeah. And immediately you get this sensation that like something's different here. Like, I don't really know what's going to happen yet, but this is really interesting. There's like a whole stage and cool lights and you're doing projection mapping and then you get these headphones. And I think that is one of the most powerful things about podcasting is you're in your listener's ear. It's so intimate mm -hmm. and it's it's very fascinating to hear about how you were kind of struggling with how to give the live experience and the party experience, but not impede on the conversation. Mm. And this magical synchronistic moment happened for you at On It, where you met uh, the silent disco gentleman. I yeah, forget what his John name Brown. Yeah. John Brown, and uh, and connected the dots. And then mm. the other thing that really stands out to me is. You know, everyone has been online. Everyone's been networking online and doing Zoom call after Zoom mm. call after Zoom call, and. It's pretty extraordinary that you just decided to be grounded in the real world or the, you know, this, this layer of the real world and do this actual manual going to mm -hmm. the bars and finding places that would host this and then really building a community. And I think for podcasters, sometimes our audiences are disembodied listeners and we don't know who right. they are. And, you know, that that can make us feel like, oh, a hundred downloads isn't even enough. Right. But if you fill a room with a hundred bodies, it's like impactful. There's yeah. a lot of change that can happen. There's a lot of amazing connections that can happen between the audience members themselves, between Absolutely. you and the audience. So, um, like what, what do you think really gave you that impetus to invest in human to human mm. connection, especially during such a intense time of like, ah, everyone's like trying to hide from each other and stay away. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, there was a lot in there. And so going back and kind of connecting the dots. So originally getting back on social media and presenting my message in a real way um, was super important to me to 
opened people's eyes to the fact that you could be real on social media. Not everything was fake. Not everything's pretty. And to open those doors and open those conversations, um, it motivated me to continue asking questions and diving deeper and being on this, you know, this path of growth. Um, for me, I, I like being a leader. I like putting myself in tough situations. So I have to step up. Mm. Um, it makes me a better person. That's why I enjoyed being a coach. Um, and then coming out of the pandemic, really, I wanted to draw people back, even though we were utilizing platforms through tech and social media, there is a way to get back to real human interaction. Um, so for me, being able to focus on a local podcast um, to where I have direct interaction with those that are following along um, is beautiful to me to see people drawn out again, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic where, you know, people were hesitant to come back out and still are. Mm -hmm. And so to draw them out and them feel inspired and, and meet people and network and, and be able to share space where they were going out, they're having a good time. You could have a drink. You're listening to something of value or learning about something that's going on in your city. Um, it was a great way for people to engage again with the community, um, and meet each other eye to eye. Mm -hmm. So that's everything I do on social media is really just to raise awareness back to reality, get people away from their devices, back to eye to eye, shaking hands again. Um, because we don't want to just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, I had, you know, a beautiful conversation with a, a spiritual mentor of mine, um, and it was a conversation where we were disagreeing about the fact of utilizing technology uh, the way I do, you know. And um, he's like, man, it's, it's, it's all wrong. We need to go back to nature because um, I was thinking more immersive, more immersive. How can we make – how can we utilize technology and innovate from the use of augmented reality being projected, mm -hmm. you know, through the room and um, – you know, the use of the headphones and, you know, even though it's, a, you know, a technological approach, what's transpiring is really human. Mm -hmm. People are feeling. Um, and now with this room, this is the epitome of everything that I've learned through those events where, you know, a native, I was doing it in the cafe and you'd hear the espresso machine going off and there's galleries upstairs. So doors would be opening and closing and people would be in and out. And so now we have this space to where, we can actually control the room and everybody that buys a ticket to come in here um, is here to see the show. And what transpires after, you know, they listen to us kind of open up about, you know, someone's art or someone's passion or how they're serving the community of Austin. It's a very direct way um, to reinvigorate this city for people. And, you know, that's my plan now is, you know, with everything that's transpired, this entire podcast has been just under six months. Wow. Um, that's when I introduced Easy Does It. Um, in 23 episodes, we're here now. And um, for me, it's it's the real end goal is to, just to, to show that this is a proof of concept. Um, I want to teach people how to do this. I, I was just a regular dude. You know, I still am. And um, I don't have any fancy degrees or I'm not any subject matter expert in any one thing. 
Um, but what I do have the ability to do is, you know, see people for who they are and appreciate what they have to offer. And now I want to make a career out of showcasing them, them sharing their stories. Um, but also show people that they can, you know, bring people in a room, they can host parties, they can have conversations of value. Um, they can engage again in, in real ways. And so everything that I preach to my team and, and, uh, my friends now, I'm, I'm sure they want me to shut up at times. Um, but it, it's literally always on my mind about how we can get, you know, people to be more real and, and, uh, share space in that capacity. So, um, that's really our goal now is to, to make it possible for much more than easy does it. I love that. I love the the mission behind it and making podcasting and networking and community uh, sharing that and sharing your process and blueprint. I'm wondering if you could maybe peel back a little bit because it may not be apparently obvious to those listening. How does one make all that work worth it financially? Mm-hmm. How like what is the what is the underpinnings of of your of your strategy with networking and how how does interviewing people like evolve or, or turn into anything lucrative for all involved? Like what, what goes into that? Yeah. I, I think, um, uh, what comes to mind immediately, um, our friend Daniel Duran, he's a muralist and, uh, he did this piece that says community is currency. Mm. Um, and there's so many ways of, of saying that. And so for, for us now it's, it's focusing on the relationships first. Um, that's something I realized was special about Austin. Um, growing up here and then coming back after six and a half years where I would check back in on my city like once or twice a year, you know, for less than five days. I didn't like sticking around much because I'd either want to stay or I'd just be like, well, you know, I want to get back to my routine um, because I was was growing out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming back and reintegrating into the city, um, nothing's changed in that capacity as far as um, people just want you to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to see how you treat people. Um, the way I've been articulating it lately is we do have a lot of people that are moving here from New York. We do have a lot of people that are moving here from LA. And I think it's really important to distinguish the difference in the way that we you know, carry ourselves and do business here and treat each other. Um, because there's a lot of good people moving from everywhere and they're, they're coming here for a reason. Um, but the way I've been putting it is in New York, you know, people want to shake your hands. They want to know who you are and what you can do for them. And that may be a friendly interaction. It may not mean you any harm, uh, but they still want to know what you're going to do for them. Right. (laughs) You go to LA, you walk in the door and if people don't know who you are, you already have an uphill battle. Mm. You already have a fight for people to like you or respect you. And here in Austin, man, like we have a way of interacting where we don't really don't give a fuck who you are. We might not even get your name. We just want to see how you interact and, Mm. and treat people and, you know, how far I've gotten in a matter of months just from, you know, focus on focusing in on the way I was raised and, you know, just nodding or smiling or shaking someone's hand at a bar or, you know, listening to people when, they say, Hey, you need to meet so-and-so and just being an open book as far as like, well, you know, if they know me or they know what I'm about, like they're not recommending that for, for no reason. Um, so I look at relationships and, 
and people and their passions as breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. And the more we open our eyes um, to what other people have to offer, um, the less you know closed off, the less insecure, um, the less we have those blinders on, the more we see that this is an abundant world. And it would be, you know, we'd be taking a lot for granted if we acted like it was any other way. Mm -hmm. Some people want to call it privilege or, you know, that they should be guilty or sorry for just the opportunities that they have. Um, For me, I resonate with that. I had severe anxiety as a teenager and felt out of place because I realized that I could basically do whatever I wanted or Mm -hmm. pursue anything I wanted. And instead of pursuing those things that everybody expected me to, um, I wanted to serve something first. So uh, as a naive 17-year-old, I I, started looking away from sports and looked towards the United States military and signed that contract. And boy, I was in for it for six years of the most structured environment that I was not built for. But all along the way, I believe that it was necessary for me to serve before I took advantage and so now I, I try to think about life the same way and, you know, think about how am I serving the community? Um, how am I serving my friends and family? And, you know, at times that those, you know, one's not as clear as the other. Um, so we always have to check back in and ask ourselves if we're just being the best we can be and, and uh, think bigger than ourselves. So, I've, you said so many wonderful things there. The community is currency. I hadn't heard that. I really love that. Man, that's it's a good one. Beautiful. Also, I'd heard um, your network is your net worth. Mm, that's another yeah. good one, right? And yeah. it's like really this idea that um, it's not always what we can get as an individual. It's also like what can my what can my friend get, right? Like if you win, I win. Right. If if we build that community of an environment, then everyone benefits from that. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why podcasting is so exciting, mm-hmm. because it's like inherent in if you're doing interview style, maybe true crime, it's a little different or something. But interview <laughs> style podcasting is about f- creating dialogue between so many different kinds of members of, of your community, whether it's the global community or your local community. Yeah. And it's really powerful what starts to happen. Every conversation, it, it just kind of opens up this network of mm-hmm. more possibilities for everyone involved. And especially in, in COVID times, I think that artists, creators, you know, small businesses, everyone needs more of their story shared. Everyone yeah. needs more exposure. And what you're doing by having this platform is really, you know, putting a microphone up to so many different kinds of people that, um, that benefit from that. And so that's really a powerful thing. And you have this one phrase, own your space. Mm. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about like what that means for you. Yeah. For me, man, like I'm a stubborn motherfucker. Like I got to remind myself of how to be a better human being every day. Like mm-hmm. that's why I have tattoos on my hands and arms. And, and I say the same mantras all the time is because those are reminders, you know, um, you know, often what my instincts are, aren't the best. And so I, I, I've learned to get away from instincts and trust and intuition. And my life has changed because of that. Um, but, you know, I think the interesting thing of focusing on, Uh, I've got a tattoo on my chest that says, don't just live, but live for a purpose bigger than yourself. Be an asset to your family, community, and country. And so just broadening your horizons of what your perspective is centered on beyond yourself um, puts a lot in perspective. Focusing on relationships and and how you can help people. And, you know, secondly, how they can help you is, is 
you know, that's business. Um, but, you know, I think in our culture, we have a big disconnect and we focus too much on reciprocity. Um, often reciprocity is linear mm-hmm. where we think, okay, if I do this, I get this right. And in Austin and the way I do business now, I don't think like that. I don't want a direct return. I like to act and then see how things circle back. I always try to think in loops. How am I closing loops? Mm. The more often something comes back to me, the more growth, the more success we have. Um, and it might not always be clear, but you look back and you're like, oh, okay. Like that's, that's why I did that. Or that's, you know, why so-and-so was introduced into my life. Or that's why we met. Like we're just closing loops all the time. Um, and for, for me, you know, focusing on, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, um, serving something greater than yourself on the polar side is, is owning your space, right? This inward mindfulness of what is shifting internally, um, you know, being aware of your presence and energy. Um, I'm an empath, but you know, all the way through and through, um, I'm always in a receptive state. So for me to focus and own my space is really just a, a reflection, a feeling of what I'm taking in in the world and then project that outwardly. Mm. Um, and the more I can tune into that, um, the better human being I am. What was like, what was that like in the military being receptive and empathic? That must've been an interesting one. Yeah, that was, that was not the environment. Uh, (laughs) it was fucking tough. Um, but I had a lot of time to kind of observe different leadership styles. Um, I've learned, I've learned the majority of my lessons in my life the hard way. Mm. Uh, and I almost prefer it that way. Um, almost sadistically, where now I'm having to teach myself to just not, you know, like not everything has to be hard. Uh, not <laughs> everything has be to easy. be painful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, there's a big reason I, I chose that name. Um, more mantras there for you to, yeah, man. But I had a lot of resistance in the military and I, and I had a, a lot of great friends and officers and leaders. Um, and you know, I, I love them as friends and human beings and they'll do great things. Um, but they're not the ones that stick out the most in my life. Uh, I've learned far more from bad leaders, um, just through observing and, and making notes on exactly what I wouldn't do. Um, and you know, I always say we, we have a tendency to forget. So, um, just coming up with disciplines and practices and ways of reminding ourselves where we've been and, uh, where we're going and being clear on, on the type of person we want to be. And, and doing everything in our power to, to stick to that. Um, it's not the easy thing to do. Totally. Um, we've got so much, we're exposed to so much now, um, in the modern world that it's, it's easy to shift and question yourself and, um, you know, think about like, you know, think about imposter syndrome or something like that. Where yeah. You could have been like, Oh, it's COVID and so no one is wanting me to have this live podcast in their, yeah. in their place. And you could have given up there and then you, you yeah. wouldn't have been here in your own podcast studio. Yeah. That looks amazing and luxurious, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing I could tell anyone is like, it's better to try and fail than, you know, not try at all. And for me, it's just like being in a state of continuous action and the amount of times that I've, fucked up or failed in my life and ended up on my ass like 
I realized it wasn't that bad. Like I might've been heartbroken or, you know, questioned, you know, why I started or, um, where I was going, but I almost always figured it out. Um, and you know, for me, failure in the bottom really wasn't that bad. And mm. I consider myself fortunate for that is that I, I have the tools. I have the awareness to realize like how much opportunity I still have. You know, thankfully I've got, you know, loved ones that support me and, and good friends and, and community. And if you have that community is currency, you've got, you're rich, man. So, um, yeah, I think by focusing on that, especially in Austin, like you're going to win the the rest will fall into place. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the community piece, I, I would love to give a shout out. I think it's called like community foundation or foundation community. And I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. It is a model community here in Austin for those who have been unhoused, you know, aka the homeless. Uh, and they've actually found it is it isn't just housing. Mm-hmm. It isn't just helping people either get clean or, you know, harm prevention. It's community. Yeah. It's the it's the breakdown of community that causes people to stay in these vicious homeless cycles. Yeah. And so it, it really is you you won't go hungry. You won't you won't sleep, you know, somewhere you don't want to if you have a thriving community yeah and it seems like part of the military taught you leadership you know and it taught you how to mobilize this whole thing would you say that's true (sighs) yeah uh i was waiting for my chance you know to like really step up and be the the type of leader i wanted to be um the truth was that you know i joined the military um chasing that i thought you know I, i joined to be a navy seal at 18 years old and went through that training and I paralyzed my leg and that's a whole nother story for a different day. Um, and I never got that chance to really be like the warrior that I sought out to as, you know, a young man, um, <clears throat> after, you know, being th- in those situations and observing leadership, um, you know, I just realized that, you know, there's a way to serve, um, and, you know, make notes of, of how we can do that and, you know, show up, you know, lead with your heart and, uh, the rest will fall into place, but I think we all have what it takes to to be leaders in our own rights. But it's just uh, trial and error for sure. I've been really obsessed with this idea of the servant leader, you know, mm-hmm. and a, a good leader is someone who who is tuned into the people that they're leading and they're Absolutely. doing it out of service, right? Yeah. And, and hearing everyone. It also sounds like, you know, you're hearing your community right now. You're you're interviewing a lot of people in the Austin area, and you're hearing what people are up to. And, and like you said, closing loops and connecting dots and connecting people and building this, uh, this rich ecosystem. And I'm wondering like, what's one or two really inspiring things that's come about for you as a result of starting this whole thing? Obviously you have this amazing studio, but I'm talking about like human to human inspiring things. Man. Yeah. Um, you know, diving into the world of creatives and artists and musicians and just talking to them and, and hearing their stories and passions and celebrating their successes or booking them for gigs now with our live events. Um, it's beautiful to share that, you know, we're doing comedy and we're doing music and we're hosting podcasts and it's like everybody in their own right is just trying to really express themselves. And, you know, I think the, the special thing about creatives and artists is that there is a certain amount of risk or, you know, resistance to pursuing that especially as a full-time gig and uh, the amount of respect, unspoken respect that I have for artists um, and creatives to take that chance and say, you know what, fuck it. Like I'm not going to do what my parents want me to do or, you know, what society wants me to do. 
and I'm going to do this and it's going to be different, but that's, what's going to make me stand out. Um, that's incredibly inspiring to me. That's the reason that I, you know, I sit in this chair today is really just connecting with people on that level, um, of wanting to listen and hear that so that I'm reminded myself to, you know, keep believing in my own, you know, true path and, and, uh, keep pursuing that and being creative and, you know, questioning the status quo and questioning expectation. Um, because the reality is like the only way that we continue to progress on a societal level and, um, you know, bring people back away from these systems and control and fear, um, is through creative expression Mm. and, and love and light. And, um, you know, thankfully we can have a, a really good time doing that by celebrating those things and people it's live music, it's art, it's, you know, it's listening to spoken word. It's, it's simple. It's, it's all expression. So that's the direction we're looking now is just how do we celebrate those people on a street level? Um, thankfully a podcast, you know, the podcasting platform is a great way of doing that. I think everybody should have a podcast. Um, Tell me more about that. Do you feel like this is going to stick around this this format? What, where where do you see podcasts going? And yeah, tell me. Do you think that it is kind of something that like everyone has an Instagram? Yeah, everyone should have a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard a statistic. There was over six hundred thousand new podcasts last year alone. Um, so my my friend Sky King, he's a podcast producer and um he was saying that um that statistic to me and you know at at first glance it's like well that's a lot of podcasts like how do you stick out but i really don't give a shit about statistics like i don't care like what the numbers are um if it's meant to be you're going to stick out and so just being real like there are blueprints for how you can run a podcast if you want to listen to your favorite podcast and ask the same questions and do the same shit like you can do that or you can look at platforms like we do look at social media and podcasting and, you know, augmented reality and VR and all these things that are being introduced. And you say, okay, this is what's available. What's the opportunity here to um, use it differently, but focusing on, you know, real human interaction and experiences that make people feel again. Um, So, you know, I think for us, it's all an experiential thing. Like we want people to feel. And so like for this room, for example, um, having control of the room now with the easy, easy does it podcasts, we keep who we're featuring on the podcast a secret, Hmm. um, which is, it's not an easy route to go. Um, but the end goal for that is to open people's minds to perspectives, um, that they wouldn't ordinarily seek out. Like I can put, that I'm interviewing a musician on a flyer and get, you know, 40 music lovers in this room that want to hear what his story is. Um, but if someone is expecting a musician and they walk in and, and we're interviewing a chef and we're sharing that experience and, you know, tasting the food and where we really create an immersive experience, um, then we get to open people's minds to people or to experiences that they wouldn't seek out, you know, in their evenings or what makes them feel comfortable or safe. And, and, uh, I've been expressing to my team that, you know, we're not going to hit the nail on the head every time. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to miss, uh, we're going to be met with resistance. People are going to not like what we do. Uh, people are going to love what we do. 
Um, but if anybody walks in this room and they're sitting and they're listening and they're feeling, whether it's positive or negative, mm-hmm. we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a fine line, but, uh, it's a fun experience. And, and again, just looking forward to, to seeing how we can innovate and cause in a town like this, in a city like this, people are willing to collaborate. Um, and we can, you know, share ideas or give each other inspiration and avenues that we're not expecting. It's one of the things that I think is is really powerful about your platform is the amount of innovation across the board. You know, like you've tried so many different new things um, that have turned this into what it is, right? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds scary. I mean, there's a risk associated with that, right? Anytime you try something new, but no reward if you don't risk it, right? And it seems like it's it's been uh, it's been a really powerful end goal so far but what has been something really challenging man i mean just like diving into tech and, mm-hmm. and podcasting and it, i i don't have any experience doing any of this and you know creating a business model off of it like i i just went straight from high school i was a plumber for a year digging ditches and doing undergrounds and then joined the military to be a warrior and got lost along that way. And, and now I'm here weighing over my head and figuring it out because I know that there's value in it. And, um, you know, the amount of like restless nights and just times I've been at my end of like, what's next, you know, is, um, it's taken a lot of faith and and just believing that Mm. there's something greater, but feeling that draw and, and believing, um, for me has paid off, um, taking those risks, you know, um, I was, you know, full-time personal trainer over at Onnit Gym uh, until July. And thankfully, you know, with the podcasting platform, there's no compete in me building a separate business. So I would train, I would go open the gym most days at 6 a.m. and coach a class till 7.30. I would train clients from 8, 9, 10. Then I'd go have a couple coffee or lunch meetings for my podcast or whatever's going on. Sometimes I'd do midday uh, podcasts where I'd film in Cosmic Coffee's parking lot. And instead of being a, a business meeting, we just hop in the van with coffee and <laughs> hit record, you know, and then awesome. I'd whip back over to the gym and I'd work out from one thirty to 4 p.m. And, and then I'd make smoothies from 4 to 6 and then and I'd get off and then I would s- sit or take care of myself or plan what was next as far as my own business. Um, so you're saying that it was like nonstop, full days, yeah. lots of unknowns. Yeah. It was like 5.30 AM to 10 PM every night of just wow. kind of like one working at the gym where that was, you know, what I was living off of and my income. And then, you know, but planning that next step of the podcast or, you know, editing episodes, whatever it was, was my nighttime gig. You were doing so, the editing and everything. Yeah. And, um, so I got, I did that for about like shit, eight, nine months straight. And like, it wasn't healthy. Like I was split myself up between two careers and I was training six days a week. Like I was going to be a fucking Olympian and I was just exhausted, man. I was constantly getting sick. I was, wasn't like my best self, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like put on a face to come in and train and I wasn't really feeling great. You know, mm-hmm. I was just s- smoked. And so I realized that it wasn't sustainable. Uh, my health was declining. 
And, but I, I knew what the right move was and it was, I, I needed to build my own business. I needed to believe that it would work. And so I said, fuck it. And, uh, I gave them a 30 day notice at the gym. Uh, and I didn't even have, this room wasn't even a part of the conversation when I made that decision. Um, and I guess like eight days after I left my job, kind of transitioning to going full-time podcasting, uh, was July 8th. And that was when I had the conversation about this room. And then I realized the potential for it to actually be a business. And so now that's the model is we are doing these live events. We're going to be hosting podcasts. We're going to be hosting comedy, live music, everything out of this room. But those are all evening time events. Now for us is opening this space and these microphones up to creatives and artists and leaders and podcasters alike. Um, now they can come in and utilize our space and, and develop a community here um, where we we take that process of learning everything the hard way. And uh, we're just here to hit some buttons and facilitate conversations. There you go. So if you are in Austin, Texas at any point, this is the place to come and record. They have audio, video. It's an amazing space. Fantastic team. Uh, and yeah, so de- definitely worth coming over to Native Hostel. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, you know, one of the things that we're, we're getting kind of close to the to the end of the the interview, but one of the things that uh, I really want to give the listeners is is more understanding of how you make this work. So just to be clear, there's ticket sales yep. to the events, right? So that's yeah. one source of income. Yeah. But now this space, you're you're it's like a studio. You rent it out. Right. Uh, hourly by by the day and um is there any other way that you have found to monetize your platform besides those two routes yeah um it's obviously any any business takes money um to run and to grow and scale and um you know that was that's what's kept this business from really expanding or scaling is just like i mean I started my business. I started my podcast with a credit card and, you know, faith that it would pay off and, uh, still paying for that. But, uh, you know, just, just diving in and figuring it out. And like the, the value is in the people and conversations. But, um, for me, you know, like it doesn't take much to start your platform and get basic gear. You buy a kit off Amazon today, you mm-hmm. know, for less than $200, um, to start articulating your message, um, start speaking, um, annoy people at dinner parties, annoy people at the bar, you know, you know, annoy your family members, your friends, everyone just start just trying to articulate what, who you are and what you want to do in the world. And the amount of times that I like, I have trouble shutting the fuck up about it, but I'm always just trying to, you know, refine my message and find clarity in my own head of, of what it is I'm trying to do. And, um, public speaking and, podcasting is a great way to do that. Um, and so, you know, for us as a business, um, it started out, you know, I would go into a venue, uh, once I figured out what a pitch deck was, um, and learned how to make one, uh, I just walk into a, what is a pitch deck for anyone? Yeah. Pitch deck is basically just like a group of slides. It's like a slideshow that's presentable to, you know, uh, showcase who you are, what you're trying to do, what the return is for businesses or sponsors. Um, and so it's, it's just a presentation. And so I would go into bars or venues and I asked for the event coordinator or GM and I would say, Hey, you know, 
I want to do a live podcast here. Um, you know, I'm selling tickets. So if I could take tickets, then y'all take the bar and I'll bring you a hundred people. And some venues will do a bar split there. Um, and then as well as sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, those are the ways that I was kind of funding the growth. Um, it was tough, you know, cause I would make, you know, 500 to a thousand bucks off of, you know, an event where I'd set up and I didn't have a crew, you know, it was just me and my, my camera guy at the time. Um, and we'd go in, we'd set up and throw a party and, and then I'd pay out musicians and, and I'd have, you know, 200 bucks left if I was lucky. And that's what I would use to, to make more flyers or make that next move or buy a nicer microphone or whatever it was. So, um, you know, it was like, I was strangled by funds for a long time. And, but I learned a lot in that process as far as like learning how to, you know, accept help and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, look to, to people for, you know, assistance in that aspect, um, through sponsorships and everything. But at the end of the day now, like through all of that, you know, I realized that sponsorships weren't the way that I wanted to fund this platform. Tell me why. Um, for me, it's, it's tough to, to talk about something that you believe, um, and you know, that resonates with the crowd or your listeners, um, and then turn around and sell them a pillow. Like it's just, it doesn't make sense for me to, to try to sell something off of something that I admire as being genuine and really focusing on how I create, um, a, a certain frequency and vibe and openness in the room. And the second I would turn around and say presented by, or, you know, check out such and such. Like I said, I'm you an empath and shift. I could feel a shift and that, that would tear my heart out. Cause I'm like, fuck now I'm like, I'm not really standing for, you know, who I am and, or what I'm shooting for. And also um, like you're breaking trust in a way. Yeah. It just didn't feel like real. And th- I mean, this is why I tell a lot of people that I help start podcasts, mm-hmm. like don't try and go into this to get sponsors because yeah. in my opinion, it's like you're in debt. It's yeah. like just you're in debt to this and it may be a great sponsor. And right. there, by no means, this is not a blanket statement. There's shows that could benefit from a sponsorship. There's ways you can do it. I think Joe Rogan, honestly, he because he's so big, he's like, hey, you can sponsor me. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. But right. But yeah. but for the most part, I think that it does dilute yeah. the, the integrity. So that's that's yeah, like there's a, there's a, a way to do it. I just haven't figured it out yet. Um, well, so, so. Th- you have these really cool chairs. I got to say that yeah. I do want to buy yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe that wasn't an exact sponsorship. Maybe that was more yeah. like just a collaboration. No, it was, man. It, um, yeah, Sleek Forum sponsored me a while back. Um, but again, it's just like keeping your eyes open and and meeting good people, man. Like just you know that that wasn't they didn't pursue me to sponsor me. They they I was introduced through you know a mutual friend and we just met as friends first and then we started having discussions later as we realized that there's overlap there. Um, but again, like if it's a route that you don't have to go, like don't, you know, like now I realize that there, there are angel investors, there's venture capitalists out there. There are people that, you know, there's probably people in your family or friends that would support you. Um, if you do, you know, believe in what you're doing and you can articulate your message clearly and, and, you know, can figure out how there's going to be returned down the road. Um, there's a way to do it where, you know, you can, you can do it with people that are probably already in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so just focusing on, you know, being genuine and real and, and 
putting yourself, your, your message first, um, refining that craft and like the pieces will fall into place. Like money is one of the things I've stressed out about the most and it always works out. It's like, it's almost not worth stressing about, you know? Uh, would it work out if you didn't stress about it though? That's the question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like to think so. And it usually does. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to focus more on that. Um, but thankfully, you know, getting a podcast up, you can, you can do it with minimal equipment. You can do it with a subscription on Podbean or Captivate or whatever you want to use, um, to where you can get it up and out and, you know, just start focusing on, like I said, speaking clearly, um, articulating what you want to say. Um, and there'll be a trickle effect down the road and, and uh, get help along the way. What other elements do you think if someone is listening to this and they're like, I, yeah, that that's, this is what I needed to feel like I want to start my podcast. What are a few other things that you think should be kind of center of mind as someone's starting their platform? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I see is people, they want to stockpile episodes and, you know, I did the same thing. I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to record episode one through four and I'm going to release those. Um, but that was more of a calculated move based off of um, saying I wanted people to be able to listen to episode one, get the backstory of why I started. And then if they're interested, immediately go to two, mm-hmm. three, four and see what the actual platform was. Um, so that was calculated. But the biggest thing I hear from people is like, I want to start a podcast and they just stick to that forever. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I'm going to, or I want to, and they don't take that initial step. Um, or they start recording episodes and they listen back to it and they, it's fucking terrible. And so they never release it. Like if I went back and listened to route perception project years ago, I'd just be like, well, what was I doing? You know, like it's, it's terrible. And I, I mean, I've, I've still have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but there's something to be said for that as far as, like you do get better with practice, you do get better with time and your growth and skills and believing in yourself is going to compound much faster um, by releasing it and learning the hard way or Absolutely. You know, just getting used to just putting less than ideal shit out there. And I'm not saying you should half-ass anything, like do your best. But if your best is still not meeting the mark of where you want to be, you'll get there through action. Um, so the best thing, the best advice I got was record a, um, a commercial or an intro for your podcast and keep it under a minute and just say, Hey, I'm Evan Duvall. I'm going to be releasing a podcast, um, on this date cut, like keep it really simple, put that out on the platform and hit up everybody that, you know, I sent out 300 text messages and emails saying, Hey, I just did this intro. Please go rate and review it. And this was some advice from somebody in the industry that I got. And so I was able to get like over a hundred reviews and it wasn't even a real podcast episode. And so what that does is when you actually release your first episode, it looks like you're much farther along through reviews and it, it, you switch through the algorithm a lot faster as far as a relevant podcast. So right, right. if you get a good push from your you know, first 10 or 20 episodes, you actually have a chance to like hit some charts and yeah. people find you that wouldn't ordinarily find you if you just had zero reviews. So totally. um, just put something out there and then just start releasing episode. 
like, I mean, you listen to any podcaster, any businessman, any author, they're going to talk about what the quality of their original work was and listen to Joe Rogan and just hear <laughs> what episode is he on? Fucking 1500. So, yeah. So many, something like that, man. And like w- the difference between one through 10 and, and 1500 is that's the reason he's getting 190. You got to get through deal. those uh, original crappy episodes. So you may as well start yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah, so you yeah. can get through. I, I learned something every time. Like, yeah. I walk away from every podcast like oh, I could have done that better, and I'm never hard on myself about it. I'm not like, "Oh, shitty!" You're like, no, it's you're easy all, on yourself. It's all good. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's you're going to get better. Put it out there, um, and I'm still on episode 23. You know, so like my goal is to be episode 100 by springtime. Like I'm about to turn it on. Um, just to get better, just to refine that craft. And we've got the model built now. We've got the equipment and I'm done stressing about how to kind of do everything now. It's just time to do it and get better. Really powerful messages and important ones for everyone to take to heart because we can waste our life uh, in planning and preparation and not actually deliver the gifts, right, that we have. And I'm curious, uh, as we wind up, like, is there any podcasts that have been massively influential for you? Oh man, I love jumping around. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've pulled a lot of inspiration, um, from a lot of podcasts and for me, set and setting is super important. Uh, I've gotten a lot of inspiration from, you know, formats like tiny desk or, um, you know, just different podcasts where there's video, there's intimate connection. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't want to be uh, cliche and just say Joe Rogan, but man, I've I've, hopped, I've hopped around all over from uh, you know Andrew Huberman, and I like to pursue Joe Rogan's guests and see who totally. what their platforms are. Um, but I honestly don't listen to a lot of uh, podcasts. I'll I'll turn on Rich Roll. I really like his style. Um, he's been doing it a while. Um, you know, a lot of stuff coming off of NPR, mm-hmm. um, but Rich Roll is, he's a badass dude. I, I love the idea of kind of being, uh, an athlete, um, and also having the capacity to sit and listen and, and have conversations. Um, and, you know, seeing the way he did it and made it a career, I got a lot of inspiration from that. Um, I hope to kind of go down the same path as far as just being, uh, an athlete and keeping my, my health, you know, you know, up to par. And, um, even though we're, we're in the event and party space now, there's a way to do it all. It's just finding balance. Yeah. All things in balance. What about books that have been influential (sighs) for you? Uh, man, books. I, I was drawn most mostly to a lot of like different religious texts um, just for like building my own capacity of thinking mindfully and not being so dogmatic in my own approach Mm. of living in the Western world and being so like black and white or uh, like I said, dogmatic on, you know, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of Buddhist teachings, um, the Tao is the, the one that I've, learn the most from and go back to the most. Um, but just opening my mind as far as, you know, nonfiction is something that I have a lot of resistance to. Um, I've, I've, I would always recommend the fifth sacred thing. 
Um, oh yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful book. Um, for me, like I like to find things that I, you know, have a lot of resistance to and sit there and read. But you know, just turning pages and it focusing on text. It's it's such a different way of utilizing your brain and Mm -hmm. it's a practice skill and it's something you'll use you'll lose if you don't use it and um i mean two to three minutes of picking up a book for me can reset my whole day Uh, i always try to keep them close by and uh (laughs) you know remind myself of uh you know where i've been as far as like the lessons we take on i think journaling is a great way to do that if you mix those two like reading and journaling where you, you know you you try to articulate your own message from what you're reading. Too many people read something today and then they just spit it out verbatim. And there's a difference. There's a weight to it. Um, when I go to a dinner party and I just hear someone quoting something that I've read or, you know, like I know what they're getting at and they're just saying it like it's original. It's like, it just rubs me the wrong way. And so I look for people that, you know, they can hear something and they're not attached to it. Um, and they, they really try to be original. Those are the people I'm looking for in the world and wherever you're getting your knowledge from, just seek it Mm -hmm. for sure. It's everywhere. Yeah, man. So true. And, uh, thanks for those recommendations. It's always interesting to see what, what podcasts and books have influenced people and kind of piece, you know, piece it together. I used to release like lists of podcasts and and books and stuff. I need to get back to that. That was a great It's helpful for people, right? To to kind of follow a a line of thought. And also the journaling tip is huge. Mm. I almost find myself avoiding writing because I know how much it moves shit forward. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. if I don't want my life to go to, you I'm know, the same way. hundred miles an hour. Yeah. I, it's like, yeah, don't I, write it down. I have such a bad habit of being like, Oh, if I'm not writing my best material, like if I'm not writing philosophy or I, you see how I write captions. Yeah. On yeah. Your captions, social are awesome. media. And like, if I'm not writing at my best, then like I don't write at all. And so I'm trying to break that pattern. Um, write some crappy pages. Yeah, the amount of Tim books that I've sat down to write and like are half finished is insane. Because when I sit down to write a book, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna write a book, you know. And then like, where's that at? You know, teaching myself now to like just just write. You know, I've I sat with a friend and she was talking about um, how when she journals, she journals about her environment, about her surroundings. So she'll go to a coffee shop and just write, you know, like about what color the walls are, what a certain man looks like sitting across from her. And that was so beautifully inspiring to me because it was such a different approach than what I, you know, how I think about writing. I think about writing as trying to find clarity with my thoughts and very rigid in that approach as far as what the product is. Um, so, you know, letting yourself flow and, um, I would make a recommendation for any creative artist or business owner, anybody to read uh, the war of art. That book changed a lot in my life as far as just finding your flow and your flow is usually the resistance and where you feel resistance lean in and the product will be beautiful. And uh, it's not the easy route. I love that book. I love that point. It is so true. If we push into the resistance, it's like on the other side of that, there's so much momentum. It's the fastest path. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard, but, um, and, and have compassion for yourself along that. Like it's, it's not healthy to just to lean only into resistance. Um, but 
you do have to, 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 to find your, your true path. And, and, uh, it's a, it's a dance daily to, to stay on that. But once you become aware of where the resistance and where the flow is, then it becomes less severe. You don't have these giant swings. Um, and it's a daily dance of awareness. And sometimes we get off and we know it because mm-hmm. of that attunement, that a practice skill, um, of feeling that flow, feeling that resistance. And if, if you feel like you're walking a tightrope, you're on, keep walking it. Yeah. For sure. Especially when yeah. it comes to putting your voice out there, your message, it's a vulnerable thing. The imposter syndrome voice comes in and it's like, usually when we're feeling fear or doubt, it's like a perfect signal that we just got to keep going. It's the yeah. right way. It's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as easy as it is hard. Yeah, so. man. Well, Evan, it's been amazing getting to hear about this journey of the easy does it podcast and yeah. easy's listening room. And thank so you again fun, for making time. Yeah. And uh, how can the listeners tune into you? What's the best place for them to do so and connect with you? Yeah, man. Uh, I share everything through my own personal Instagram. Uh, it's easy does it, E-A-Z-Y dot does it. Um, and then the studio you can follow. It's at easy studio, E-A-Z-Y-S dot studio. Um, that's where we'll be sharing a lot more educational content of what we're doing here um, in this studio. I mean, this, we, I just got the keys to this place um, July 10th or July 8th, the day before my birthday. And and now we're here. We're putting on events. And it's a good present. We've, we've got the, the space open now for creatives and podcasters to come record here. Um, it's going to be a fun experience to develop that community. And and our goal is really to, to educate people on how to pursue the live format, um, get people engaged off of these devices, um, focus on the relationships and network and, and, uh, we've got an amazing team that can help us out there. Yeah. Let's get, let's uh, give these wonderful gen- gentlemen a shout out. Would you remind me of each yeah. of their names? Yeah. We've got Drew Taylor. He's What's handling up? the media, media and creative direction of the platform. Nice. Uh, we've got Patrick Peterson. Um, and then our other project manager is Madeline Worrell. And, uh, she is, uh, bringing so much to the table. Everyone is, as far as, you know, bringing clarity to how we're, uh, we're clarifying what we're doing here in this city and, and, uh, sharing this space. You're making, uh, big, big splashes, big waves. And it's so cool to just see this kind of beautiful blossoming of community space open up in our city, especially in a time when it's so needed. So thank you for what you're doing. Thanks, man. Yeah. That was, that was super fun to to be on the opposite side. Yeah, man. I, I love interviewing podcasters for that very reason. It's cool to give that, that experience. And yes, I encourage you, dear listeners, go check out the Easy Does It podcast. Check out some of the wonderful guests that Evan has interviewed. Check out this beautiful space. If you're listening, go check this video version out on our YouTube channel because you're going to want to see how awesome this place <laughs> is. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Be On Air. I hope you enjoyed it and are now one step closer to turning on your mic and broadcasting your message to the world. Are you ready to start your own podcast and amplify your brand? Or are you struggling to get your show in front of engaged audiences? I can help you on your broadcasting journey. Get in touch with me and apply for a strategy session if you want to discuss your podcast idea. You can reach me at www.podcast-farm.com. I'm on all the social media. Until next time, my friends, I'm Kaylee Marks. Thanks for tuning in to Be On Air.
We have this rare opportunity right now. There has never been a time like this before where we've been able to so easily share our voices with the world. And the planet is going through an enormous struggle and an enormous transformation right now. It's my belief that the best way forward is for each of us to find our purpose, to share our passions, and to communicate with each other so that we can amplify what we love, who we love, and those voices that need to be elevated. We turn up the volume. This isn't just another course. This is a community that will take you to the next level. You'll be guided to launch your own podcast and distribute it so that the entire world can hear it. This isn't just launching a podcast, my friends. This is about using the power of your voice to amplify what you love.